This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. On this episode, we'll be talking about burnout, how you got there, why you and I both know you cannot stay there, and how to begin to get out of it. We'll be walking through several steps you can take to galvanize your work and your soul back to a place of inspiration and creativity, and how to avoid getting burned out again in the future. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. It was spring of about 10 years ago, and I was hurtling towards burnout. I'd only been full-time in my business for about a year. It was one of my first wedding seasons where I had a full load of events, and I was learning what manageable looked like. A better way of phrasing that is I was discovering what wasn't manageable and thus realizing what I wanted things to look like in the future. I had this few months stretch where I had a wedding every weekend and then engagement sessions during the week, which for some photographers, they can do that all day, every day, and not be faced by it, but that was not me. I needed more di- I needed more margin. I could barely get through my edits before the next event was upon me, and I felt like I was constantly on the brink of drowning. Any new requests that hit my inbox, I felt irrationally irritated by. Maybe you guys have been there. Like, don't these people know that I'm already swamped and I can't handle anymore? No, Abby, they don't. Of course they don't know that. It's not their job to know. But when you're so busy keeping up with current work that you don't have time to speak to new inquiring clients, that's a sign that something needs to give. I remember feeling so defeated. No matter how many tasks that I made headway on, it didn't matter because I knew that the cycle was just going to start all over again on Friday as I prepared for the next wedding. And then when I couldn't keep up, the edits and the to-dos started backing up and stacking up from one week to the next. I was working long, long hours each day in the office, long hours on the weekends with weddings, and I started wondering if I had made a mistake with this whole photography career thing. I would have never admitted that at the time because I didn't want to prove the people who thought I couldn't do it right, but there was a small voice that was like, did we make a mistake here? I got to the end of that streak of weddings, and I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to open my laptop. I didn't want to check my email. All I wanted to do was sit and watch Harry Potter movies. I was embarrassed. I was just a few years into my career as a wedding photographer and I was already feeling burned out. I needed to do something to refill my tank and I needed to do it soon. I was lucky that this was a short-term burnout scenario. It was very situational. It wasn't the result of an extensive period, like years long, of overwork or exhaustion. And so bouncing back wasn't as difficult as it may have been if this exhaustion was several years in the making. But these sort of situational burnouts can have long-term effects if you don't get to the root of how you got there in the first place. Because burnout, it is a breeding ground for resentment and cynicism. And both of those traits, those are toxic to your attitude. I didn't want to resent my, my clients and it wasn't their fault that I was still figuring out healthy boundaries and working conditions. But something had to change. There was no doubt about that. Anybody on the outside looking in could have been like, Yeah, she needs something. Something has to give. So let's define burnout real quick. We actually talked about this at my mastermind last week, so it's still fresh on my mind. I've always defined burnout as working too hard for too long for too little return. 
Somebody else in our group, though, said that it feels like running a marathon where you've given it everything that you've got and you have nothing left to give, and then someone extends the finish line by another mile. And then another person said that it feels like champagne with no bubbles, flat and lifeless. According to an article on Mayo Clinic, burnout can be the result of anything from lack of control, unclear job expectations, dysfunctional workplace dynamics, extremes of activity, lack of social support, and work-life imbalance. And for me, burnout manifested itself in terms of feelings like I don't want to answer email or interact with my clients because they will probably have something else to add to this insurmountable pile of to-dos that I already have. Or I don't want to pick up my camera. Um, Taking more photos means that I'm going to have more photos to edit, another gallery to deliver, which then adds to said insurmountable pile of to-dos. I was exhausted. No matter how much sleep I got, I was so tired when I sat down at my desk in the morning. I felt defeated and it was hard to focus. I was constantly looking for something to distract me from the stress. Staring down at my crazy schedule and all of the work on my plate, I felt disconnected from my initial purpose or mission for my business. I was honestly a little bit jaded because I was having trouble seeing the positive impact that my work was having on the people around me because I was so focused on just the day-to-day minutia of getting through the work. And honestly, I thought about quitting. I didn't give it a lot of thought, like it wasn't a serious contender, but it did cross my mind a couple of times. Burnout can look like wanting to dismantle your entire business because you're just so tired of the grind. So if any of that sounds familiar with either where you are right now or where you've been in the past, your first step is to figure out what happened that we landed here. We're not assigning blame here. The point here isn't to make anybody feel guilty. We just want to understand how we got here so that we can change future actions to hopefully avoid ending up in the same place again in the future. Because burnout isn't just bad for productivity levels, it's dangerous to the long-term health of your business because of those toxic traits of resentment and cynicism that can build. But it's also potentially dangerous to your mental and your physical health too. That same Mayo Clinic article, we'll link that in the show notes, it talks about how the stress of burnout can lead to, among other things, fatigue, insomnia, high stress levels, and unhealthy habits like turning to food, drugs, and alcohol to numb the feeling. So burnout isn't just bad for your business, it's bad for you, and it's bad for those around you. And again, this isn't meant to make you feel guilty. I think sometimes burnout sneaks up on us and we didn't realize that it was coming. So if you're in the middle of that, It's not necessarily you made a huge mistake or you should feel bad about it. It's just a matter of like recognizing where you are and putting words to it. Because once we can put words to it, then we can begin to know what kind of solution we're looking for. When you're in burnout and you don't realize you're in burnout, that's an even more dangerous place to be because you start trying to problem solve based on how you're feeling in the moment. Maybe making emotional decisions about things that need you to take a step back and realize, whoa, what other factors could be at play here? So the first step here is to recognize are we in a season of burnout if the answer is yes call it what it is real quick photographers are you tired of lather rinse and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brain session to the next if you're ready to turn yawn worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed 
then you're definitely gonna wanna join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation and learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. So we're trying to figure out how did we get here? Because as a photographer and a small business owner, you have a lot of control over how things move forward from here. You're not at the mercy of a boss who determines your schedule. You are in the driver's seat, or at least you should be the one in the driver's seat. And if you're not, we want to get you back into that driver's seat. So how did we get here? You want to ask yourself some of these questions. Was it an issue of being overscheduled? Was your, was your calendar just too jam-packed and there were not enough hours in the day to do the work that you scheduled for yourself? Was it an issue of being overwhelmed by a job that you feel or felt unqualified for? I will admit that when I've signed up to do a job that is pushing me to the very limits of my own creativity, I'm tempted to quit because I just feel like no matter what I do, I'm going to disappoint someone. And that's my own imposter syndrome speaking. But like if this was actually an issue of being overwhelmed that you either felt unqualified for or someone else made you feel unqualified for, that can for sure stem feelings of hopelessness or what's the point in even trying. Was it an issue of not feeling as though you were properly compensated? This turned out to be the main issue for me in that spring of, you know, back to back to back wedding weekends. Coupled with being overscheduled, feeling like the work that I was putting in wasn't even earning what I hoped it would, it made everything so much worse. Like, why am I killing myself here to get this work done when I have so little to show for it at the end? Next question to ask yourself, was it an issue of boundaries or maybe lack thereof? Do your clients expect you to be reachable 24-7, which then means you can't really rest outside of work because you've always got one proverbial foot in the office, whether that takes the form of checking your business email in your downtime or scrolling social media whenever you feel bored? Was it a particular client that was the problem? We've talked on the podcast in the past about negativity bias, how we tend to give more weight and consideration to negative experiences than we do to equally proportionate positive experiences, like how it feels worse to lose $100 than it does to find $100. So like you could have 19 thrilled clients and then the 20th one turns out to be pretty tough to please and you find yourself questioning whether you're qualified to be a photographer in the first place. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Like never mind that you have 19 other clients, 95% of your client pool telling you that they love what you did. It's the one unhappy voice, the 5% 
that your brain gives the most consideration to. If you have an especially vocal, unhappy, or hard-to-please client or someone who contacts you a lot, it can seriously impact your entire perspective on your business, especially if that client is one that you have any kind of ongoing relationship with. Finally, are there any factors outside of work that could be exacerbating your career-related stress, like tension in the home or maybe feeling unsupported by a significant other in your small business efforts? Maybe financial issues that are causing you to place a disproportionate amount of pressure on yourself to perform at work. Once you've nailed down the root of the issue and you figured out what was it that brought me here, the next question is, how can we change our standard operating procedures or boundaries in the future to help avoid this situation again? We talked about SOPs in episode 10 of season one, and if you are finding that there's a part of your SOP where sand is constantly getting in the gears, then it's time to change the SOP. The point of the SOP is for things to run smoothly. So maybe your burnout resulted from being overscheduled. Okay, well then part of your new SOP for booking shoots is to ensure that you don't book more than X number of weeks in a row without a break or X number of shoots in a row without a break. Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever kind of boundaries or margin it is that you need to perform at your top condition. Maybe your issue was not feeling properly compensated. So you go increase your rates or you get really, really clear about what is and what is not included in your services if you find that scope creep is a constant issue. And scope creep is just like inch by inch things getting added to a project without additional compensation being taken into account or additional time being taken into account. And then all of a sudden you find yourself with like two feet more of work than you were expecting to because there were 24 tiny little one inch requests. When I was feeling burned out and completely exhausted, I realized that I felt especially resentful of my clients who took advantage of the, quote, full day of coverage that I used to offer in my wedding collections. I know some of you just like, like palm to the forehead. They're like, Abby, what were you thinking? And like, I know this was 100% my fault. I had learned that practice from another photographer and I thought it sounded great, like a really compelling offer if you're a bride. And like, yeah, no, duh, of course it is. And it was definitely more appealing to my clients who were considering me up against any other photographers that had um, collections with a set number of hours, like eight hours of coverage versus full day of coverage where I don't have to pay for extra hours, duh. But after having to plead with a bride to not have me there for 15 hours on her wedding day, I realized this was not sustainable. I mean, that was essentially two wedding days in one. Because it didn't cost my clients anything to ask me to stay longer, but it cost me a lot. I had to compensate my second shooter for more hours. I spent longer editing. I was more exhausted the next day, yada, yada, yada. So I stopped offering full day of coverage and I backed my collections down to include a set number of hours instead. And then I billed for the additional time. So at least if I was being asked to stay for 13 hours, I was being compensated accordingly for it. And I'll tell you guys, even after years in business, almost 13 years, I have struggled with this as a brand photographer. Matt can tell you, I offer half and full day shoots, three and six hour shoots, and I really, really struggle with keeping it to three or six hours. My shoots have historically run over, and it's because I don't like having to tell my clients in the moment that we're out of time or that they can choose to pay for another hour. So what we did about that was we started having that conversation ahead of time. If I think, if I'm on a pre-shoot strategy call, with we ha- which we have with all of our clients, 
If I think a shoot's going to run long just based on the shot list that I've pulled together and the storylines that we're talking through, I tell my client, I say something like, hey, I'm concerned we're not going to have enough time within your three-hour shoot to capture everything that we've discussed that you need. So we have two choices. We can either extend your session, additional hours are X dollars, or I can trim back on the shot list. So you just let me know what you prefer. I know another business owner who sets a timer for 15 minutes before the shoot is due to be over. So the timer audibly goes off so the client can hear it too. And the photographer says, hey, we're almost done. Let's make sure we're prioritizing, you know, whatever it is that's left on the shot list that hasn't yet to be finished. So if you're finding that you need to adjust client expectations, do that beforehand, not in the moment. Do that proactively, not reactively. Okay, so you've assessed how you got there. You've pinpointed the issue and you've made a plan, tweaked an SOP or a boundary to help you avoid the same situation in the future. And that plan might not be bulletproof. You may have to come back and adjust again, but it'll be better than your previous situation and you can always change things again in the future. So now, how do we get your mojo back? How do you get back to a place of inspiration and creativity? My number one solution is to get out of your environment. Travel if you can. If a trip to a far-flung place isn't an option, try something more local, like the company Getaway. They have these cabins in remote places, usually a a couple of hours within a major city. There's one, two hours away from D.C. And I've stayed in a getaway cabin twice. It is so restorative. It's remote. There's no Wi-Fi. And there's something really inspiring about the huge panoramic window that you sleep right next to. You can also check your local Verbo and Airbnb listings to see if there are any last minute deals. Try to get away for at least two nights. I did a one night getaway at a getaway cabin earlier this year. And, you know, by the time you get there, it's like check-ins 3 p.m. and check-outs 11 a.m. You're like, savor every moment. I paid a lot for this. Like two nights I've learned for next time is probably going to be the minimum. So I have like a full 24-hour period there and I'm not stressing about getting there on time or getting out on time. If renting a spot isn't an option right now, go visit a friend or a family member. And I'm talking about like an overnight stay, like at least two nights. And the thing here is just to get out of your usual environment, away from that desk where you usually do your work so that you're not walking past your office and having to fight the sick feeling in your stomach of how much undone work there is waiting for you. When you get away, don't bring work with you. Do not bring your laptop with you. Bring something to fill your tank, not drain it. Maybe a book that you've been hoping to read, whether that's a personal development book or a novel or whatever it is, the Harry Potter series I might suggest. (laughs) Maybe there's a project that you've been working on for fun. And I'm not talking here about mindless entertainment. Don't just bring your phone to scroll through Instagram the entire time. That's not restful. I'm talking about exercising a different part of your brain than the part that is constantly thinking about work. The goal here of getting away is to get you to stop thinking about business, to remind you that the hope and joy and beauty around you also exists in your work by lifting your chin and lifting your eyes to the possibilities around you, even if you haven't been able to see that hope, that joy, and that beauty in your work for a while. So immediate solution, if possible, is to get out of your environment. But a second, more long-term solution is to find some kind of outlet of personal work. That might be some other form of art, like painting or drawing, or even some other kind of photography. My ballerina series was born out of that season of burnout almost 10 years ago. Coming home from that fateful first ballerina shoot, 
I was buzzing with energy. And that energy fed into and shaped my wedding work. And it ultimately helped to shape the brand itself. I thought I was just using my camera to connect with the years that I'd spent in the ballet studio, but it turned out to transform me as an artist too. Maybe you've been thinking of taking piano lessons or you have a guitar that you haven't picked up in years because you've been too busy. Maybe you have a neighbor who has a wood shop and they've offered to show you the ropes but you've never taken them up on it. Maybe now's the time to do that. It doesn't matter what the personal work is. What matters here is that you find time for play that doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to succeed. The purpose of that play is to give you freedom to experiment. I love, for example, painting with watercolors. I'm dead awful at it, so you'll never see my paintings on social media. They're really bad, guys. But it brings me joy just for the sheer pleasure of pulling paint across a page. So take that class on decorating Christmas cookies or the piano lessons, even if you're your teacher's oldest student. Go throw clay at a wheel and make a misshapen mug. It doesn't matter that it isn't perfect. The restoration is in the making, not in the final product. Here's your homework. If you're in the middle of burnout, either book the getaway or choose the personal work outlet that you're going to try. Even if it feels like you don't have time, even if you're rolling your eyes wondering how playing with paints is supposed to help you find your lost mojo, you don't need to know exactly what the end product is going to look like right now. At the moment, what you need is light at the end of the tunnel and a fresh dose of hope and inspiration. Time away and getting your hands messy with a new form of play can both help with that. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear. Please come say hi on Instagram at Photo and tell me which method are you going to try? Will you get away for a couple of nights or try your luck with personal work? Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about whether or not you need an email list. There's a lot of talk in the small business industry about growing a list, but I'm one of those people who hates being told that I need to get on board with something simply because everyone else is doing it. So we're going to explore this topic together. Is an email list a necessary asset that every photographer needs to grow? I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace, and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?